Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegan, vegetarians, and anyone that's living a healthy lifestyle. Rewired Radio is sponsored by Health IQ, and Health IQ will help you feel like you're getting the best deal for your life insurance. Go to healthiq.com slash rewired to support our show and to see if you qualify for a great rate today. This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome, everyone. The hashtag MeToo movement has made sexual harassment in the entertainment industry a daily topic for most of us, but sexual harassment has been part of the landscape for much, much longer than many of us realize. And my guest today, Kathleen Sharp, who she's an award-winning journalist and the author of the recently released Mr. and Mrs. Hollywood, the Edie and Lou Wasserman and their entertainment empire. Kathleen will give us a unique perspective on how men and women navigated a world where harassment and sexual politics were always the norm. And she will discuss with us the past, how how the past actually can teach us about the future of Hollywood. She's done so much, and I'm so thrilled to have her on today. Kathleen, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Erica. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes. So, you know, before I got into the health and wellness industry myself, um, I was working in, in at a talent agency in, in the world of Hollywood for a little bit and definitely have witnessed uh, many unacceptable things before. So it's this is a this is a great topic because it's I think, you know, affects everybody to a degree, no matter what kind of industry you're in. Can you tell us a little bit how you got started, you know, with your writing and how you connected to the world of Hollywood? Well, I've always written. Um, I feel very privileged to have started in the old, you know, newsrooms back when newspapers uh, in every city had a newspaper. Mm -hmm. So that was really fun working with other, you know, young men and women who are on deadline and mentally spitballing about how to write the lead. But I got more and more into Hollywood as I was covering um, the area for the Boston Globe in the early 2000s. And what I saw was that a lot of us know very little about this enormous industry. I mean, right now it's probably worth a trillion dollars when you look wow. at music, television, DVDs, uh, theme parks. And um, I realized mm-hmm. that no one had also looked at the godfather of Hollywood, who was Lou Wasserman, this poor boy from Cleveland who became um, the mogul of Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. I know the family, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so I thought, wow, there's a a book, and my agent sold it. Um, I was so shocked that no one had ever written a book about Lou Wasserman, but um, Uh once I started working on it, I realized why. And it's because Wasserman was so savvy, he never, ever gave interviews to the press. So Mm. it took me a few years, and about 400 interviews, I kind of circled the wagon of Lou and, um, you know, talked to people like, uh, Gregory Peck or Tony Curtis, uh, and finally Steven Spielberg said, you know, what you're doing is so important, let me talk to Lou, who was his mentor, and get uh-huh. him to sit down with you. And uh-huh. so once that happened, it was sort of like the dam broke, and um, it was great. 
and and how was how was his demeanor and experience and and what did what did did he was he a good man in Hollywood for people that don't know much about him or or his empire what was his uh you know what was his values around um, harassment and power and, and those kinds of things <laughs> well uh, you have to remember that uh, Lou Wasserman started uh, in the entertainment back in the 30s and okay. uh, you know. That was in Cleveland, and uh, at that time, of course, no one had heard of sexual harassment. But okay. showbiz is a very, very glitzy business. You know, the women have to be knockout beautiful. The men have to be very talented and debonair. And so mm-hmm. everything is illusion, whether they're on the stage or in film. But um, he came from the poor side of the track, so he was always scrappy and very much looked up to um, all these idols. But his wife, Edie, she was the one who was really the power behind the throne. She was the goddaughter of the mob. Um, Her dad Mm. was an attorney for the Cleveland mobsters. And for you who might remember bootleg liquor, Cleveland made the best bootleg liquor. And the mobsters, like Mo Dalitz, they are the ones who founded Las Vegas. So, um, you know, they're really... Both of them, both Edie and Lou, were sort of in the cradle of, um, you know, entertainment, but also sort of the dirty side. And that's the story that I try to tell in this book, Mr. and Mrs. Hollywood, is sort of the secret history of Hollywood because Mm -hmm. of the sex politics, our culture, and everything. And it started with this, you know, these two sweethearts, Edie Mm -hmm. and Lou. Wow. What a great story. It sounds amazing. So and now, I mean, with, with what's going on today and how most women have, you know, come out to say that at some point they have been harassed, is, are you finding that this book is actually more relevant than ever right now? Yes. In fact, that's what, why we, uh, you know, it's a wonderful timing, as you can imagine. Yeah, what yeah I, I would think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, I learned that women back then used their sexuality in a way that got them what they wanted. And perhaps you remember, you know, the old-fashioned slap across the face when women would, Mm -hmm. um, you know, assault men if they got too fresh. But Mm -hmm. I remember the story from Robert Mitchum, you know, this wonderful actor um, who uh, was really quite the heartthrob in Hollywood. And all kinds of women were falling over him, including the sexual volcano, Ava Gardner. She -hmm. worked with him in a, a great film called My Forbidden Past you know, in 1951. And she grew so feverish with desire for him, she finally blurted out, why don't you just take me behind this billboard and do something? And he said, (laughs) he said, suppose I get to liken it. And so, um, you know, Gardner claimed that she was madly in love with Mitchum, but he didn't fall for her wiles. And if you look at pictures of both of them, you can just, oh my God, the chemistry between them was incredible. Uh-huh. So back in the 40s and 50s, it was almost like every single big star was obligated to conduct a mid-production affair with his co-star. Mm. But the women how to handle it. You know, there's this, there's flirting, and then there's the deed itself. Right. Uh, and women right. used to use their sexuality in a way that, you know, they could get what they wanted, whether it was a, a great co-actor or a wonderful TV deal. Or a husband. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It got so that men, you know, I remember Tony Curtis telling me that one of the reasons that he married Janet Lee is because he wanted to go to bed with her. So there yeah. were different norms back then. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, there were many, 
there are many more sort of unspoken rules, and the men were gentlemen, and the women, uh, you know, used that to their advantage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what I see right now kind of... Go yeah. Ahead. Oh, no, 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 go on. Go on, I'll ask you after. What I see right now is a lot of women have sort of, um, you know, given up their voice, because back in that day, there were six studios, and you had a permanent job. You were um, not independent. You were hired by those studios for seven-year contracts. And what you have today is a different economic model where there's independent filmmakers like Harvey Weinstein, you know, was one of the most notorious and the most successful. And so women and men, to some extent, have to get their role by appealing to the leader of that independent film company. Mm -hmm. And they're more vulnerable. and, And, you know, there's a lot less, uh, security. So, um, uh, and there's also a lot more in our culture right now, a lot more emphasis on superficial beauty. Mm-hmm. And it mm-hmm. really, really uh, is hard on women unless they have a strong voice, unless right. they walk out of that hotel room, or unless they slap the guy on the cheek or face and say, how dare you, you know. Mm-hmm. And women don't do much of that right now. Um, well, yes. After... <laughs> It's a factor of being young, but Mm -hmm. by the time you're in your 30s, one would hope that you would be strong enough within yourself and have um, a sense of, you know, protecting yourself that you would stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Yes. And, 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 you know, many women that I have, I work with, I, you know, I counsel people, I teach groups and, and I, you know, write books too. So I hear from a lot of women that, that have, um, you know, have had, you know, whether it's sexual abuse early on in their life um, or have had some kind of encounter along their journey that constituted harassment of some kind. I think most women can, can you know, talk, speak to that. Um, but, but really, these days, it seems like uh, with social media and technology and, you know, all, all these there's there's so many different opportunities to be exploited now. I mean, you know, back in the day, I mean, and also, you know, we have encounters like Harvey Weinstein in a hotel room and these kinds of things. But but right now, there's a lot going on with technology and and people getting bullied and people having pictures put up of them. And you know, there's just so many. I think the landscape is changing now because our world is changing so much. So, you know, it's 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 like there's different opportunities for women to feel like they have been um, misled or wronged in some way. It's not the traditional, well, you know, kind of way anymore. Well, Always, we have to remember you know. back in, you know, back in the day, there were something like um, 150 newspapers or magazines that reported on nothing but Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, there, don't, you know, there was Hush Hush Confidential. There were all these um, tabloids that you could get your uh, word out, but the studios did cover it. And I think too, there was kind of this. Um, you know, yeah, social media has changed things, but there also was the gossip mill back in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Remember um, talking, looking through Marilyn Monroe's papers, and she was just, you know, so aghast in the 50s when things were buttoned down and traditional. They were not that way at all in the studios. And she and her girlfriends would tell each other, you know, watch out for um, Jack Warner. You know, he'll be all over you in two minutes, or mm-hmm. Daryl's he changes girls like he changes film reels. So there was Mm -hmm. this other form. But I also want to say that, you know, there's a difference between a mature working professional woman and Mm -hmm. what we've seen with the young gymnasts and um, this horrible case. 
So mm-hmm. um, there are degrees of it, and um, I think that it's wonderful this time that's coming uh, that we're in right now, where women are finding their voice and speaking up not just for themselves, but for their daughters and for people who mm-hmm. do not have a voice, whether it's the mm-hmm. farm worker or the kitchen worker, because really yeah. those women are yeah. extremely vulnerable. Rewired Radio is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, vegetarians, and anyone choosing to live a healthy life get lower rates on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com slash rewired to support our show and to see if you qualify. 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. Health IQ can save their customers up to 33% because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, 20% lower risk of cancer, and 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. If you like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ can save you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious life. So see if you qualify today. Go to healthiq.com slash rewired. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And there are different degrees. And, you know, there's there's so many different people have different opinions on um, this, this kind of... Um, me too movement right now. And that, that, you know, there are women that, you know, know what was really going to happen. They go up to a hotel room and they're provocative and this and that. And then there's like, you know, obviously there's every day I know everyday people, I was in this industry and harassed at 20 years old myself. So like, I, you know, I know these things happen to people that are working out there right now and their everyday lives. And then also the people that we hear about, but regardless, I think it's giving people a voice to speak up if they feel like it is something that, um, you know, is going to create more negative consequences in their lives or others. And I think that is what, what is great about what's happening now, you know, and, and everybody has their own individual choice to make, uh, you know, whether they want to speak up about it or they want to learn from these lessons and make sure they don't do what they did, you know, before. So. Right. Or whether they want to go ahead and, you know, have a sexual relationship with this producer or right. this director. Right. And they, and that they're entitled sure. to, to do that. Yeah. Right, yeah, like Grace Kelly, oh my God, I mean, she looked so pure and Puritan, this wonderful blonde, blue-eyed mm-hmm. actress you know, who was actually yes. Alfred Hitchcock's favorite. You know, re- uh, this real patrician girl actually went to, I mean, she had so many lovers, it was amazing whether it was Gary Cooper, Clark Gable, Ray Milland. Um, you know, later on, she would take one-night stands with Marlon Brando or David Niven, and all of these men. She broke their hearts. So, wow. you know, it was a choice that um, that she made, and it sort of added not only to her on, off-screen reputation, but her on-screen allure. And the studios mm-hmm. used that to their advantage. And, in fact, they tried to sort of curb her sex appeal, you know, when she was off-duty, and that didn't work either. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How cool. It must be so fun for you to to learn about everyone's lives. And, and like you said, there's there's so many of those actresses and actors at those times that present this image. And yet you seem to have gotten the gossip or the juice on what really went, went on behind the scenes. So uh, I'm sure the book is just amazing to, to read. And, and can you tell everybody a little bit about um, what you do talk about in the book so that they, they want to go and check it out? Yeah. Yeah, it's not just sex, which is a really meaty, juicy part of it, but uh-huh. I love 
learning about the intersection of politics and entertainment. And yeah. how, um, you know, John F. Kennedy, when he came out, uh, Lou Wasserman and all of his uh, um, stars from uh, Jimmy Stewart to uh, Betty Davis went out and, you know, campaigned for uh, John F. Kennedy. And so mm-hmm. uh, that was the first time that Hollywood Dazzle was brought to Holly, you know, to Washington campaign funding. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. on, it went on. We learned, you know, Ronald Reagan was definitely a protege of Lou Wasserman, and he lifted him up. Um, you know, he kind of made sure he got directors who could really teach him how to speak well and look into the camera and have this mm-hmm. abuncular, warm approach so that by the time Ronald Reagan was ready to run for president, um, he could click into every single living room in every single town in America and hook people, and um, mm-hmm. he gave a lot of benefits to Hollywood. So it's real important that in this country, where we look at celebrity and personality as the be-all and end-all, that we look a little bit behind the scenes to understand what that person stands for, what their mm-hmm. policy values are, because now we have in office, you know, a game show host, television <laughs> game show host, who yeah. he's great for ratings, but perhaps he's not that great for the country standing in the world or for the middle class. Um, mm-hmm. You know, no matter what you think of him, he's certainly entertaining, but he is a creation of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Talk- yeah, yeah. There's talk for Winfrey, you know, running or Chris Rock or The Rock, I should say. So, um, <laughs> yeah, kind of, we really want, you know, Mickey Mouse in the White House. I don't, think so even though he's a very beloved entertainment figure right exactly exactly yeah well this, this is I mean this this world is changing and I mean it's changing you know um in many ways and then like you said there's a lot of parallels to to like Ronald Reagan and it really hasn't changed so much we really we we do not really see that these people have been shaped or molded in a certain way or coached in a certain way and it's just you know it's interesting I think our our we've always been fascinated with celebrity we've always been fascinated um with people that have that air of uh you know grace or or charm about them and so we we tend to like you said not see what really is going on or what their core values are because really they're just kind of telling us what we want to hear and so it is really important that people do try and see where these people have come from and look behind um you know the the media reel that we we see and and what who and really what they stand for yeah exactly right and i do think the me too movement sort of came out of a lot of female anger at how a man who groped women and admitted to it, you know, on a um, Hollywood Insider video, you know, tape, mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. occupying the highest uh, position in the land. And I think that anger sort of bubbled under the surface until uh, when we had, you know, the first two or three women come forward and complain about a powerful white guy who was taking advantage of women. And mm-hmm. um, we, I think we can thank Trump for that. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to ask you, as you've been talking, I had this question pop in my, up in my head. You know, since you've been doing so much research on um, 
the entertainment industry, you know, decades ago, did did anybody come out around sexual sexual harassment? Did any actress or or actor for that matter, did anybody speak about this in a way which it was creating, you know, um, anxiety and stress and negative consequences in their lives? Was there anyone? Because I, I can't seem to recall, uh, you know, any story from any of it, from that era or even, you know, in the past 20 years. Actually, yeah, there weren't. And the reason is because of the studio system. If there mm-hmm. was a woman got, who was raped and got pregnant. And I'm know. sure this happened, it's, uh, you know, <laughs> many times oh, over. Most certainly did. But the, what yeah. happened is you had the studio publicist immediately going to the papers. You know, at, in L.A. there was something like... 15 newspapers uh, and many, many tabloids, and they would go and shape the story, you know, and make sure Hedda Hopper or uh, her, uh, you know, uh, rivals would not print the real story, and they would pay mm-hmm. the girl, the woman, and she would, you know, go away. So mm-hmm. there was this sort of understanding, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, I don't think you could find a man like Harvey Weinstein who really, with impunity, went on to physically assault women and hurt them. And if you did, then other moguls would sort of, you know, bond together and get rid of that guy and kick him mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they were worried about losing their business. You know, there was the Department of Justice who had already broken up. The studios uh, separated them from their uh, theaters. And so they didn't want, there was an investigation by Robert Kennedy into Wasserman's operation, which was a monopoly, and they didn't want to attract any bad PR or the federal investigators to come out and, um, you know, penalize them in any way. So they were protecting themselves, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Wow, that's amazing. Really amazing. And... and, 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 Oh, Oh, go on. I was was just to say that Edie Wasserman, um, she kind of had her own backlot girls, you know, a group of women that included Janet Lee, um, Suzanne Plachette, uh, mm-hmm. Rosemary Clooney, George Clooney's aunt, and yeah. all these women kind of met every Friday night, you know, at Edie's uh, place and had cocktails and cigarettes. And in clouds of Chanel Number no. Five, they pass around bits of studio gossip, like you know, candy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They did. They figured out who wanted this role, who wanted a new TV. Who wanted to open in Vegas, you know, uh, over mm-hmm. there? And they would get their deals, and then they'd present them. They'd go down to the agencies or to the studios or to the Godfather, Lou Wasserman, and they'd present their demands, and they would get what they wanted. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily sexuality they were using, but it was their charisma and their personality and their power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like these women had particular power. And, you know, there were probably 1% of the women that were out there, um, you know, even in this industry, like the, the, the more prominent ones. I saw Susan Plitchett once. She was a very nice lady. They're all at Nate Niles, all these ladies, uh, uh, you know, about 20 years ago. Did you did you ever um, interview Lou's grandson, Casey Wasserman, who's he has a, you know, a company now, uh, an agency? Yeah, I know. I know Casey, and I know his mother and his daughter, and Casey's right now trying to bring the Olympics to the, uh, Los Angeles. So he's turned into quite, you know, mm-hmm. a power, a quiet power in his own way. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I mm-hmm. grandfather is that, you know, 
yes, he inherited hundreds of millions of dollars, but he's using that to do what he thinks is best for California, for the West Coast. Um, you know, mm-hmm. his grandmother and grandfather were very active in giving back to people. Mm-hmm. Whenever there was a union negotiation among the 60 unions out here in Hollywood, Lou Wasserman was the one who made sure that all the studio men gave the union something. The mm-hmm. unions were grown by leaps and bounds, but the mm-hmm. middle class camera men and the electricians and all those guys and women had to share in the bounty. And mm-hmm. I think then passed down the line to lose descendants, and Casey Wasserman's a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's a great guy, and, and I'm, and I'm glad that there is, uh, you know, so much, um, so much giving back, and and obviously, you know, investing their money in, in such great, wonderful ways, in, in helping California. So that's fantastic. So could you tell everybody where to find your book and how to find you if people want to contact you and and, um, you know, have have any kind of um, coverage from you? Uh- Mr. and Mrs. Hollywood, you can get in any bookstore or online. Um, Blackstone is the publisher. Um, I also turned it into a called The Last Mogul. You can contact me at KathleenSharp.com. I love to hear from readers and uh, Hollywood. So um, I'm also on Twitter at KSharpAuthor, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, pretty much using that handle. And uh, I love yeah, I love what you guys do, and there is a healthy way to speak out about uh, sexual abuse, and I just urge everyone to, you know, start finding their voice and helping lift everyone else who has been dealing with this problem for almost a century, right? <laughs> yeah, I, amen, amen, and, and I so, you know, appreciate and, and applause you for, applaud you for just bringing this out to the forefront in another way, and it's so, it's so wonderful that people get to, you know, have have like knowledge of what used to go on and what went on now and just, just be, you know, it's, it's the more we discuss it, the more that it becomes, you know, the stigma is lifted and it becomes an everyday conversation. The the more people could heal and everybody could speak their truth, like you said. So thank you, Kathleen, for everything that you do and everyone could find Kathleen Sharp at KathleenSharp.com. You're listening to Rewired Radio on Radio MD. I'm Erica Spiegelman. Thank you all for joining us today and stay well.